Hello, and welcome back to The Paddock. We are excited to bring you our recap of the inaugural Vegas Grand Prix and our predictions for the final F1 race, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I cannot believe it is here. On today's episode, you have Rachel, Amy, Ito, myself, Hannah, and Leanne behind the scenes. Let's hand it over to Ito to kick us off with some history on the Vegas Grand Prix and the making of it. Yeah, we're back in Vegas for the first time since 1982 when it was called the Caesars Palace Grand Prix. This time it won't be a short-term thing though, as they have already signed a 10-year contract. This is actually the 1,100th race on the F1 calendar and it's raced on a temporary street circuit to an extent, and even down the famous Las Vegas Strip. The 6.201 kilometer, aka 3.85 mile long track is a counterclockwise circuit with 17 corners and about a third of the circuit being a long straight at just under two kilometers, aka 1.2 miles. And honestly, it is kind of poetic that this race starts in a parking lot that F1 acquired and developed mostly into the pits and the paddock and some of the track. I say this because the 82 race was fully held in a parking lot behind the Caesars Palace Hotel, hence the name. It all starts with a hairpin and a slight slight left-hander and a fast right. It dumps the drivers onto the city streets, going down Caval Lane before entering another right-left combo, which brings them past the Las Vegas Fear, and they then go through a left-right twisty, F1's words, not mine, section, before turning left onto Sands Avenue, after which there is another left onto Las Vegas Boulevard, aka the Strip which is where the aforementioned straight is, taking the drivers past some of the most iconic Las Vegas landmarks and hotels like the Mirage, Caesars Palace, and the Bellagio Fountain, all before taking three tight turns onto Harmon Avenue and completing the lap with a left onto the permanent part of the track. While there has been talk about the track and its layout, it is important to remember that the drivers and driving at those speeds are on par with the Temple of Speed at Monza through the streets of Vegas. For reference, average speeds at Vegas are 147 miles per hour with top speeds approaching 212 miles. Monza sees a similar breakdown of average speeds at 164 miles per hour and top speeds at 225. So it's definitely not a slow track. And as we'll discuss later, we were in for some fun racing. Now, before we get into the race weekend, let's talk about a few things that happened before, like the opening ceremony, which was really just it was really giving hunger games like all the drivers being on the platform that goes up on the small little like individual stages and then they just go up wave at the crowd and like go back down within like a minute and a half it was 
very Hunger Games-esque. Honestly, when I saw this, all I could think about was the may the odds be ever in your favor. And let's and it also seemed that Carlos just didn't want to be brought back down as he was hanging on for dear life, like at the like wool ledge. And then he like drops out. I was like, honey, like, are you good? Like, did you just enjoy that stage of like the spotlight? Or was it it was just too soon, like over too soon? I think maybe he just wanted to try to get some pull-ups in, a little bit of a workout. Um, but of course, we also all know the the paddock chapel that was kind of going viral for a little bit. Jacques Villeneuve, the world champ from 1997, he got married at the paddock chapel. And he actually in, I want to say it was one of the pre-shows either for practice or qualifying. He was on and he was talking about how he had no idea that that was happening. Like he knew he was getting married. He proposed. He did all of that. But he didn't realize they were doing it at the paddock chapel that day. And I thought that was really, really funny. And then in addition to that, the Red Bull and the Alpha Tower boys raced hovercrafts in the desert. And if you really need a good laugh, that video was so funny. I was dying laughing. It was incredible. Now, I can't be the only person who feels this way, but I feel like Red Bull and Alpha Tauri have just really killed it this season with their race weekend activities that they have the drivers doing. They always give us something that's kind of like motorsport, but really oddly connected to motorsport. And it's just classic funny content, especially if there's a Max and Danny pairing or when they had Liam Lawson. But the hovercrafts was something that I didn't know I needed to see. And it really just made my day. I I can kind of always count on Red Bull to give me something during race week to just make me at least giggle. Yeah. And I mean, Yuki always kills it during the silly challenges. He he's it was really funny because he was like so scared. And then he just absolutely killed it the entire thing. Like he the entire video. He did incredible. It was really funny. Um, Another kind of funny thing that happened was during the pre-show before FP1, the Blue Man Group absolutely scaring the crap out of poor Laura Winter and Will Buxton. I feel bad for them, but it was so funny to watch. Like, she, she, I feel so bad for her. They just kind of appeared. Granted, if they just randomly appeared behind me, I too would probably freak out and, like, not be able to keep my cool. Honestly, same because I mean that was a little weird. They were just like behind there, just just doing this awkward like turn to just like look at them and then look back. And you're just like, what are you doing? Why are you supposed to be here? Please leave. Leave me alone. Like all that just goes through your mind in those moments. And then you just have the pinch. They're just like making fun of them, just like keeping things going. You're just like, stop. Don't egg them on. I will say the Blue Man Group is like historically known for like scaring the crap out of people and being just like a little weird. It's just kind of a known thing. I've had friends who have gone to see them and said they're really weird. Um, I would also be freaked the hell out if they just kind of like popped up out of nowhere. I mean, I don't blame her one bit. Now... If we're going to talk pre-race fun, we have to talk about one of my favorite things to talk about any race weekend if we get them, 
and that is specialty helmets. And this weekend's have honestly been top-notch. Everybody really went off with the Vegas vibes, and I loved every second of it. If I have to do a top three, some of this won't surprise anybody who knows me in real life. My first one is definitely Esty Besties with the Deadpool lid because that was iconic. Plus, you've got the reaction of Ryan Reynolds, and it was just, it was everything I didn't know I needed in my life. Rachel and I were texting each other, just freaking out over it because what else are we going to do with our time? (laughs) My other favorite is definitely Danny's. It was just super chrome and super Danny, and it kind of just spoke to my soul. I think if I have to pick a third out of everybody else's, it's Fernando Alonso's. It looked really cool stationary in the photos, but on track, that thing was just gorgeous. I didn't think I was going to like it as much on track, but I liked it more in motion than I did stationary. I also love that we got one-off car liveries, and I don't know if I can really pick a favorite car livery, but they all looked great. But... I really need to confirm with the group that I'm not insane that the Ferrari race suits and the Ferrari hoodies from the Vegas weekend were giving Thing 1 and Thing 2 vibes because it looked like they were designed by a toddler. Their merch department needs to get it together. Just hire me. Hire all of us. We'll fix your merch real fast, guys. I promise. Um, Yeah, very Thing 1 and Thing 2. I wish they would have let that let Charles and Carlos wear the race suits that they painted. That's what I wish they would have let them wear those race suits, especially Charles with his this is art. Incredible. Okay, so I have two things. First, yes, like Rachel said, the race suits that they designed I think that they should have worn those hands down. And then I thought it was funny because Charles said, can we design our race suits for next year, please? Because these are just amazing. And they were helping each other, like, literally decor the race suits from top to bottom. Not an inch was basically not painted. And I just love seeing that interaction. And then two was the livery vibes. I thought Alfa Romeo did a really great livery vibe. It really spoke true Las Vegas to me. I mean, you had all the cards there. You, it, it was just hitting it for me. So out of all the ones, I think that was my favorite. But Red Bull, also, you gave one, two vibes too and kind of almost looked like Ferrari with the red like I got confused when I saw him at the podium and I was like hold on something's missing here I have to agree with you Hannah I do think Alfa Romeo did a fantastic livery I honestly of the liveries I did not like Red Bull's Las Vegas livery I don't know why but it it was not the move for me it felt juvenile in a way is like the word that comes to my brain like it just felt not it was not the move it was just not the move I normally like their one-off liveries but Vegas's was just not not the move at all not not a huge fan but it is what it is honestly Amy I gotta agree it didn't feel Vegas in my opinion 
And that's what I love about Alpha Romeo's livery, though. It felt so Vegas. Same with their ace with the clover on them. Like the four-leaf clover means good luck. So, of course, they're going to put that on there. Alpha just knocked it out of the park. And, I mean, granted, we're used to seeing Alpha knocking it out of the park, especially Valtteri with his special lids. But definitely my fave. And also, you're not crazy about the whole thing one and thing two vibes. That with the Red Bull Elvis suits and the knockoff Eiffel Tower jokes throughout the weekend on F1 TV. Like, DC did that joke so many times. It was fun. But at the end, I was like, come on, you've done that enough now. Also, did you guys know that Vegas apparently is the brightest place on Earth? So it truly made me wonder, why is there floodlights if it's the brightest place on Earth? And also, another interesting thing now in terms of cars, the Haases were running different spec cars, which is interesting, but at the same time also very Haas, because they always go back and forth with their spec. I do remember them mentioning on F1 TV, like, they were also like, why are they even bothering with these floodlights? It doesn't seem like they really need them. And they were only on one side of the track. They weren't even on both sides. So it was just like, it really, yeah, I agree. I don't know why they even, I've been to Vegas. It is very bright. <laughs> it's, you really, they really didn't need the floodlights. I agree. Honestly, it sounds like Vegas just to add another expense to raise up tickets. Um, to be frankly honest with you. But anyways, to go off what Amy said, I did want to touch back on my top three favorite helmets like she did. Um, for me, I mine was Lando's, but I also did buy a t-shirt from his drop that matched it. But I will say once he gets in the car, like you couldn't tell he was in there from the pictures. I was like, where's where's Lando? And like he's I'm so used to these bright helmets that like being able to point him out. Um Danny, I did love Danny's. Like his was a showstopper for me. But my last one, Oscars. I don't see very many like helmet changes designs from him um and i know it's his rookie year so he hasn't gone in very bold very out there but i really did like this helmet and it gave very las vegas vibes with like the neon and i was just i was for it now while i think we could all talk some of the specialty helmets all day long because we got a lot of them for this race weekend Let's jump into our race chat and jump into FP1 because FP1 was interesting to say the least, y'all. Definitely agree because after just under 10 minutes, a red flag came out because Carlos stopped on track. Apparently, he had a message on the dashboard saying, car stopped, engine off, all due to hitting a bump on track. Or at least that's what we were told at the time. And then after about 20 minutes, it was decided that the session would not resume due to it being a safety concern, that bump that is. So I did do some digging in that 
20 minute time frame before they actually called off the session, they only got eight minutes of actual runtime. Eight minutes. That's literally it. That to me is just insane that that was all they were able to get out of that track from the jump. Yeah. So in that time frame too, I was like on it. I was, my husband was on Reddit. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, everything, trying to figure out what happened. There was a drain cover on the strip and the suction from the downforce just kind of like ripped it out of the ground and it hit the floor of Carlos's car. And that's what caused a safety concern because there's like a giant hole open manhole in the middle of the track on the racing line basically and apparently Esteban also hit one and got damaged to his floor so the FAA was like okay we have to inspect the entire track because there's a bunch of these manhole covers and they actually found about a dozen or so more that needed to be fixed and then basically how they fixed this was to, they took out the entire manhole, the cover, all of that, and then did like a quick drying resin cement type of thing and the asphalt just to fill the holes temporarily. And some of those pictures, y'all, I think I will say one of my favorite, though, is just like the group of marshals and, and uh, stewards and FIA people just standing around this open manhole cover like, what are we going to do about this? I also saw a video that... Um, someone took from like the grandstands or something of Carlos's car going across and hitting that manhole cover. Oh my God. It looked absolutely terrifying. The sound was so loud. It sounded almost like a gunshot or a car backfire. Like it was insane. I, I'm glad he's okay. Cause that looked terrifying. I, after watching that and rewatching clips of it, slowed down on every platform you could think of. I was so alarmed at what to me felt like poor planning of track construction in terms of like these manhole covers should have been checked to be like, can they handle this? Are they going to pop up? Like it just feels like something that race organizers should have in theory been aware of to keep an eye on but who's to say that was something on their radar at least they now know to do that moving forward but I really hope that this results in a slight change in how the rules are written so that drivers are not getting penalties for issues that are caused by a physical track issue not by something that was the driver's fault or like a mechanical issue this is like okay, they're having to take a new chassis or a new power unit because something caused damage to their car that was part of the track that shouldn't have necessarily probably caused an issue if it had been built correctly from the get-go. But that's just my personal perspective. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to the fans that were there for FP1 who sadly did not get to have a full FP1 experience because that probably sucked. Um but that's a whole different story, y'all. Yeah. And so apparently this came out later. But um, if all the teams would have agreed, Ferrari could have not been penalized. However, there was one team that was holding out. And there are rumors now who it could be. I'm not going to name names. But we can 
all think who it might be, right? But from a Rocky, FP1 to FP2 now. And honestly, it was a rather quiet 90-minute session as Charles topped the timesheets, followed by Carlos and Aston Martin's Fernando. The session featured various run plans, with Max initially leading, but later losing the top spot. Sergio finished fourth, Balbaltri, with his Alfa Romeo, secured fifth place. That livery... Does it have some pixie dust on it? Who knows? Mercedes had a very quiet session as Lewis was in ninth and George was in 12th. A very unusual showing from Mercedes and maybe an omen to come. And then, of course, we have FP3. So in the final hour of practice, George topped the timing sheets. He definitely took FP2 to heart. Max and Sergio briefly took the top spot though at the beginning, um, but George finished on top with 1 minute 34 seconds and 9300s. And then Alex's tire just kind of yeeted itself off of his car, and I felt so bad for him. He was doing so well, and at the same time, though, it's Always funny to see just, like, a lone tire rolling down the track. Um, like Yuki's tire, I don't remember what race that was. That was probably one of my favorite moments, though, was just watching Yuki's tire just, like, go down the track. It it gets me every time. I do feel bad for Alex, though. Yeah, when I see those, I kind of go, like, this little meme plays in my head where it's like, Bye, see you later, sayonara, have a good one. It's like they're just like rolling away, just like, don't want to be here. Let's go. Yeah, it definitely gave Baku vibes because that's where Yuki lost his tire. And all the memes just flashed back in my head. I was like, okay, we've seen this before. What are we going to do? But what they did was red flag the final minutes after that crash, preventing some drivers from completing their flying runs and honestly leading once again, like an FP1, to a very interesting top three. Then Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent followed George in second and third. And the Red Bulls had a subdued day with Max in fourth and Perez in fifth again. The Ferraris, on the other hand, were unable to complete their flying runs due to the red flags and ended the session in 16 and 17. Now, after FP3 had wrapped up, I did see some info that was floating around the Twitter sphere or whatever people want to call it now that it's no longer technically called Twitter. I'm a millennial. It will forever and always be Twitter. Sorry, y'all. But it did come out that For anybody who had a single-day ticket, they were going to be able to receive a $200 voucher for the Las Vegas Grand Prix official shop. But if you had a three-day pass, like most Formula One fans who buy tickets for GP will tend to buy a three-day pass unless you were like myself and Leanne at Austin who bought single-day passes for the days we wanted to go to. Um, You were 
not going to get anything despite only being able to see about a third of the track time that you were supposed to see, which is a little concerning if you ask me. Definitely agree. And I've now also heard that there's a class action against the organizers because of this. And also $200 doesn't get you very far at the official shop. Because I've seen videos of, for example, Charles's hoodie, granted a special edition, running $380. So if you added that, if you subtracted that voucher, you would still have to pay $180 for a hoodie. Insane. I can agree to that price difference because, like, when we were at Coda and we saw those prices, like, Oh my gosh, that $200 voucher does not get you very far at all. You could buy like maybe one thing if you're lucky, like hats too. And that's if you're lucky and it's not a special edition or like a special race edition hat. But I will say I was honestly not a fan of the vouchers and think that they took the easy way out in this scenario. I think the fans might be pushed away from attending due to that and that's kind of disheartening to hear because as a u.s fan i want to be able to like attend every usgp that i can because they're easier to attend than overseas because those flight prices like let's be honest um but if this continues to happen and there's still that little like rivet or that issues i'm gonna want to kind of wait a few years for las vegas to kind of figure out those kinks before i'm like let's go guys i have to agree with you hannah i think it's gonna be a few years before you see the pgp girls decide to take on the las vegas grand prix um i for one am like i'm gonna give you guys a few years to work out the little quirks and the kinks and just figure out how to make the fan experience super smooth. I know for a lot of people who are on Twitter, you probably saw a lot of people openly complaining about their issues with food or whatever. And I just feel like they need a little bit of time to make the race experience better for everybody on the team side, but also work on the fan experience side of things too. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm in LA now, so I'm really not driving distance far from Vegas at all. It's only like three to four hours depending on how fast you're driving and which way you go, I guess. But as someone from Texas, three to four hours isn't that bad. So I would love to be able to go. But after what I've seen, they they have a lot of, of things to work out. I mean, as someone who's planned events and been on the side of event planning, not necessarily to that scale, but there is so much that goes into it and it just seems like they missed a lot of things and they cut a lot of corners that should not be cut. So that plus the ticket prices, kind of absurd. I also did a little digging and that Ferrari hoodie is $230 on the Ferrari website. So that voucher that they gave wouldn't even cover the actual hoodie price in general, which is Absurd. The only thing that I saw myself in the Las Vegas shop that I would have wanted that $200 would have covered is the sequin jacket. I loved that jacket. It was like $160, I think, maybe around there. But yeah, 
In other racing news, Stroll ended up with a penalty for overtaking during a double yellow flag. So I think he got was a five place grid penalty, I think. Yeah, five place. So that was probably another interesting thing to come out of practice. Now, let's get into quali and start with Q1. We saw the return of the track limit deletions. And it wasn't as bad as it has been in other races in the season, but they were still back with a little bit of a vengeance. Can we talk about track evolution, though, for a second? Because it meant at the start, Haas was faster than Red Bull. Definitely didn't have that on my bingo card. Sadly, though, during the session, there was a lot of traffic, such as Checo blocking Lando and others just struggling with things like tire temp, which caused the traffic. What was surprising, though, during the session, almost no one pitted and just ran onto the softs until the end. Usually, pitting is very normal, I'd say. Then again, Due to it being a narrow street circuit, the risk of someone ending in the barrier and therefore a red coming out is also very high. So every fast lap could be your last, hence why people didn't want to chance it. At the end of Q1, your top three were Charles in P1, Carlos in P2, and George in P3. And sadly, we lost Lando, Esty Bestie with his epic dead bullet, Zhou Guan Yu, Oscar, and Yuki, who had issues with um, track limits, deleting some lap times for him in Q1 as well. Honestly, it was surprising to see McLaren out, especially since they've been on the podium so much recently. I guess that is what you get when you mess up your run plan. Now, moving on to Q2, all I have to say before we really get into things is Alexander Albon had some serious pixie dust on him in Q2. I was honestly pretty impressed with him. But our top three were as follows. Again, it was Charles in P1, Carlos in P2, and George in P3. We lost a very disappointed Lewis Hamilton who said he, quote, couldn't go faster, mate. Checo, who had been brought into the pits prior to the end of the session, Nico Hulkenberg, Lance, and Danny Rick. Honestly, both Checo and Danny sounded so defeated after their exit. While Danny was trying to stay positive and focus on tomorrow, Checo seemingly can't talk to the car over one lap. As far as Lewis goes, though, it is honestly surprising, as he usually does well in the U.S., especially Coda. Granted, that's a very different track, still. What I did find really interesting with Q2 was that Ferrari and Williams were the only teams to get both of their drivers through to Q3, which is something that I really didn't see coming. Um, This is also the ninth time this season that Checo has not made it to Q3. I don't know what's up with Checo and Quali, but they just don't get along, y'all. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Checo and, and Quali is just not a vibe, apparently. Um, But yeah, the Williams boys both getting into Q3, absolute icons, love that for them. But Logan being the one to knock out Checo and Lewis, our All-American boy, you love to see it. And I agree, I love how only Ferrari and Williams were 
the teams that got both drivers into Q3. I thought that was really interesting, and I kind of love to see it. And in Lance news, it came out that he was scrutinized by the stewards once again due to not slowing under another yellow flag after Yuki spun. Thankfully, though, there was no further action. Otherwise, he would have likely started from the pits due to his other penalty already. Yeah, Lance has not been having a great time lately. But in Q3 news, Logan popping up into fourth during Q3 was, it was brief, but it was amazing. He has had such a rough season, so to see that was, was it was really nice. Um, he ended up quali- finishing quality in seventh, but... I'm, I'm again, so happy for him. He's worked so hard. We talked about this on our episode this past Friday, and this was just, it made me so happy to see. And he, of course, ended up starting sixth because Carlos had his 10-place grid penalty, which, again, he didn't deserve. I think we can all agree on that. But, and then Logan's radio, after finding out his grid place, was probably one of the most American things I've ever heard from him. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was warranted, especially since he had been at the back of the grid so much this season. And he never's gotten this close to outscoring his teammate. Fun fact, Logan actually placing this high is the first time since 1987 that an American placed this high in qualifying, which definitely warranted James Bowell's sweet message to him at the end. On the topic of the very front of the grid, though, Charles was definitely the man to beat this quality, being very all or nothing. Same with Carlos, to be honest, as he was trying to minimize the grid penalty's effects. Even though this marked the 13th time that he was out-qualified by his teammate this season. Now, after a very interesting Q3, your top 10 was as follows, and this is prior to penalties, and then I will explain who moved around. Prior to penalties, we had Charles in P1, Carlos in P2, Max P3, George P4, Pierre P5, Alex was P6, Logan was P7, Valtteri was P8, K-Mag was P9, and Fernando Alonso rounded us out in 10th. With penalties... It was Charles P1, Max P2, George P3, Pierre P4, Alex P5, Logan P6, Valtteri was P7, K-Mag was P8, Alonso was P9, and Lewis was P10. Carlos was bumped to 11th. Now, one of my favorite things was honestly the post-quality interview because, oh, Max, Maxi, 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 and I quote, I can go to Ibiza and get completely shit-faced. When I tell you guys that I almost choked on my coffee, I'm not even close to kidding you. I love Out of Pocket Max. I think it's just, it's my favorite thing about him. And he had been pretty vocal about not liking the track or anything to do with the race weekend prior to race day. And it just kind of fit with his whole vibe so far that weekend and it gave me a fantastic chuckle i agree i love out of pocket max he is an icon and i honestly i want to hear max's completely unfiltered thoughts because you know that what we get and what we got is the red bull barely 
PR approved version of what he wants to say. Also, did anyone notice that at the end of Quali, the Ferraris just kind of growled on the radio, even though they got P1 and P2? And those positions were positions they held during most of Quali, so it was very surprising that they had no words. Now, let's get to the good part, and that is race day. Because, y'all, it looks like we finally got the chaos that all of the PGP girls have been begging for. Did we get it in the way that we wanted? Absolutely not. But we finally got it, y'all. Honestly, that was the exact amount of chaos that I expected. Um, Alonzo getting damaged, Checo having to replace his front wing because of the incident in turn one. It was kind of, yeah, that's what I expected. One of my favorite lines from the beginning of the race is, quote, this needs to be addressed now. I love when Charles Leclerc decides he wants to be sassy because it doesn't happen too frequently, but God, that sass took me back. It's giving reputation era, and also not going to lie, though, the sphere thing kind of was like a jump scare occasionally. It was funny, but also it just would pop up and it'd be like, give me a minute, jump scare. And definitely agree on that one. And I wonder whether George is revising his original statement regarding the sphere not being distracting now. Yeah, and in regards to like sassy Charles, I am honestly very disappointed they didn't give him back his first like like place at the beginning due to being pushed off the track by Max. Like really in a normal scenario, typically you would do a reverse like one, two there or give the place back. But in that instance, they were just like, nah, we're just going to leave it as is like, keep going. Like FIA, what are you doing? I have to agree with you, Hannah. I was a little surprised that they didn't do a, you have to give the place back and you're getting a penalty for Max. Max did get that five second penalty, but like there still should have been that you need to give back the P1 spot. I have to say, it just feels like Charles is really over the comments about his inability to convert his polls. I mean, I get it. I would be ticked too, but damn, kid. Yeah, I don't blame him for being over it. I think everyone's very aware. But I also think it's kind of... The comments are kind of unfair because Adrian Newey built a rocket ship. That Red Bull has been insane this entire season. That's very evident and i feel like that it's not necessarily charles's like skill level that's his inability to convert a pole position it's just the fact that red bull is a rocket ship and ferrari hasn't really been on it but then we had that absolutely terrifying crash of lando's into turn 12 i i have no words that was terrifying every single time they showed the replay was a lot of sparks he definitely hit that at at least 50 g's or something around there because the medical car is only brought out if it's at least 50 g's and that was just the delay in his response to the radio just that was really scary i'm surprised they didn't all like call a red flag for that honestly lando in that moment i was screaming crying screaming all in one just over and over again like what the living heck but I am so glad he's okay when you heard that radio and him like the engineer had to ask him like twice like 
maybe are you okay and then he finally like responds back and he's like coughing and you can just tell like it like took the breath out of him but I am kind of curious what actually happened did he lose control of the car was it a car failure did he hit something because like when like yes he hit the barrier twice but something caused that in order for him to do that. You know what I mean? And so, like, I am a little curious just, like, on the engineering side of, like, what actually happened. But I don't think they're going to let us know, which is kind of upsetting. Because you haven't seen much about it other than, like, I'm okay. I will say that crash, when they pulled out the full safety car, I was like, uh, okay, that feels like that should be a red flag. But... That was, that crash was not the chaos I wanted, y'all. Like, I I swear to God, F1 gods, that's not what I meant. This is not the chaos I wanted. I mean, overall, this really has not been Lando's weekend, but my heart goes out to him. I'm really hoping that he's doing okay. I bet you he's achy as hell and probably has a headache, but I just, that is not the chaos I wanted, F1 gods. Please Tone it down a smidge, please, please, please. Yeah, Lando has definitely has a headache because he was sent to the hospital for further checks, not just the medical center. And I've heard that maybe he even got a CT scan. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was if he got a CT scan just to be on the safe side because that definitely could have caused a concussion. It could have been like really, really bad. Um, and then I think. During the safety car, or right after the safety car restart, Max was told that he had his penalty, and he, he was not pleased with that. He was not pleased. And I think he got another one, too. I do have to say, hearing Alex Jakes immediately go, oh, well, Max can build a big enough gap. Alex, my dear, I, I know we've seen him all season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he could do it, but I really wasn't expecting Alex to actually say that out loud on air. Honestly, let's be honest. Max is killing it this season. There's there's just no way to sugarcoat that. And sometimes I think the drivers are just now realizing the full potential that he and this car have. But when I think of Max, and this is very off weird, but have y'all ever seen the movie Secretariat where that like the horse was absolutely dominating it and won by like tons and tons of yards? I just think Max, like he's one of the few that just dominates the rest. And then of course his radio message ending with send them my regards. That sent me. That man is so done that is probably one of my favorite max radios that i've heard all season he's he's over it over it i mean i'm used to out of pocket max off the track but on track so here for it i the way that made me cackle he's just beyond over all of it and he's just so sassy sometimes i really don't understand where it comes from i do have to say I really need Ferrari to figure out what the hell was going on because the fact that we had a very unhappy Carlos Sainz because he got told we risked to have to stop the car. I just need Ferrari to stop being so Ferrari, please. But then we got Charles overtaking Max for P1 
And that was also really nice to see. It was interesting to see the difference between Carlos's car and Charles's car this week. Because we normally see a relatively similar lack of, not skill, but Ferrari competency for the both of them. Not the drivers. It's Ferrari. And this week we got poor Carlos having a rough time and then Charles is like killing it. I mean, seeing Carlos get overtaken twice was just really painful to watch. I, again, it's Ferrari being Ferrari, but that one still really, really hurt. And then we got the infamous Max and George contact. I kind of expected another Princess George comment from Max, not going to lie. I really need the two of them to stop making me have minor heart attacks during race days because it's it's kind of starting to be bad for my health, I think. Um, but the radio message from Max, I, my Lord, that kid is unhinged sometimes. He definitely took a page out of George's book on that one. And then he, George, got given a penalty for causing the incident with Max in turn 12. Turn 12 has not been anybody's friend this weekend. That has been, I think, where the majority of issues has happened. And then we get Max being noted for an unsafe release in the pit lane. It's just like nobody can catch a break this race weekend. I don't know what was going on with teams and things like that, but it was a mess. Yeah, There was no further investigation on that, which was good because, like, it didn't make a ton of sense for Max to get an unsafe release because it looked, from what I saw, more like an unsafe release on Lance's part, not Max's. Because Max was already in the lane. Lance was the one who kind of, like, almost ran into him, literally. I will say it did look like we had some serious pixie dust going on with the Alpine boys, which was really nice to see. And... Another thing that was not on my bingo card for this race was multiple different race leaders in one race. I I mean, it's nice to see we wanted something different, but I just didn't see that one coming. Yeah, honestly, it's very unusual for this season, especially because I predicted Max winning by like 25 seconds. I'm taking five seconds off due to his penalty after turn one, but still. Max didn't win by that much. And then we had the French Civil War for fifth. And then Esty being told to hold and manage his tires. Alpine is very aware of the duo that they have. And it's it's kind of funny. I loved seeing Esty pop off like that. But I got a really good giggle out of how fast his engineer came on to say hold position it was like the speed of light. He was like immediately coming on saying, nope, stay where you are. It was kind of impressive, honestly. Again, it's giving Esteban, I don't want you fighting with Fernando from Brazil of last year. It's just Esteban, I don't want you fighting with Pierre. And yet another moment I didn't have on my bingo card, and that is Teamwork Maxi deciding to make an appearance. Of him coming on the radio saying, let's work together here. We can get him. I mean, when Max and Checo want to work together, they make a fantastic team. But I really didn't see it coming. But I have to give Charles some kudos because he really tried his damn best to hold on to that with breaking. And I was beyond impressed with him. 
I will say I am a little mad at Alex for how he announced Charles is briefly leaving the track. I fully thought he'd crash and I like started panicking. No. And it was just the tone of his voice is what scared me, honestly. Rach, you weren't the only one because I screamed too when it happened. And let's just say my dog that was sleeping next to me side-eyed me hard after that because he woke up from it. That tells you everything. And then another safety car on lap 47 because Hulkenberg went off track, which was really interesting because the Haas boys, like we mentioned earlier, had different specs. K-Mag was running newer specs and Hulk was running the old ones. And then Hulk is the one who ran off track and K-Mag was kind of killing it. And then poor Yuki having to retire in the last two laps because of a gearbox issue. I saw that radio and I, my heart broke for him the last two laps and it just, it made me really sad for him. And then Justin Bieber being the one to wave the checkered flag, I thought was a very interesting choice. I did not like that choice one bit. I don't know who I would have picked instead of him, but not him. Uh, Ryan Reynolds was there. I mean, come on. Uh, My next notes are just Charles. Yes, what an overtake in all caps because that overtake for second of uh, over Checo Amazing. Iconic. We love it. It was pure racing gold, in my opinion. And then having Justin Bieber wave the checkered flag um, at the end of the race to, like, finish it, um, I, for one, was like, no, please, no. Like, is he even a huge race fan? I really think they need to do a better job at picking their people. Like, come on, people. But... That was just like the cherry on top with all the slips there. So let's be honest. And with that, I really do hope that they take next year to do some rethinking of strategies and come back stronger going forward. But now that we've recapped and kind of talked Vegas as a whole, let's talk about our predictions for the next race. The next race is our final one. Abu Dhabi, what are your thoughts? Let's get into it. Now, let's pull out our crystal balls one last time, or in my case, it's my pendulum for final predictions for the 2023 season, and I'm very interested with the results that I got. P1, Checo Perez. I almost feel like this could be a team order situation, but only time is going to tell for that one. P2, Fernando Alonso. Now, I still really want to see a Fernando P1 but it doesn't look like this is going to be that year, sadly. P3, Charles Leclerc. I love to see it because this hasn't been his best season, so seeing him get to end it on the podium one last time is really nice. But I know it's not going to be the position he would prefer to have, but a podium is a podium nonetheless. But there is something in my gut that is telling me that we are going to get some DNFs. Now, I'm not really sure I want to ask who those DNFs will be from because sometimes it's just better to not know. I feel like Abu Dhabi, for me at least, always gives us something interesting each year. So I'm really hoping for something good. I am really hoping that my pendulum is right and that we will see Ferrari finish P2 in the constructors. But as a non-Ferrari girl, I can dream is it actually going to happen? I don't know, but I will keep my fingers crossed and do some manifestation for him. Well, Amy, 
hold out her pendulum, I'm going to whip out my trusty dice. So without further ado, P1, Yuki. All right, when that happens, I'm predicting a lot of cursing in true Yuki fashion. P2, Joe. It would be very well deserved, honestly, because he has been fighting hard this season. P3, I guess we'll get another Esty Bestie on the podium, baby. As for the rest of the grid, though, we have Lewis, who now can't surpass Checo for second after this weekend. And then in fifth, we have Checo, Max, Logan, Alex, Oscar, Lance. Honestly, I have no words for the rest of the top 10. And that's why, at least for this season, I'm going to retire my dice. And we'll see whether I bring it back next season. Now, I'm going to do what I feel I do best with my predictions and just wing it. Uh, as much as I would love to see someone other than Red Bull win, Max has a proven track re- record. Literally, quite literally, a proven track record, especially at Abu Dhabi. And I do think he'll get P1 again. Uh, for P2, I would love to see Charles. I mean, he has killed it in Vegas. I would love to see him get a podium again, especially after the season he has had. And, you know, I would also love to see a double, a Ferrari double podium. I mean, ideally it would be a one-two, but, you know, a double podium nonetheless would be great. And I want to see them get second in the constructors. I really do. I think that would be really great. My final predictions, though, would be Max in P1, Charles in P2, and ideally either Carlos or Oscar in P3. I think Oscar's been killing it this season, and I would I would love to see him get another podium. I do love your thoughts on Oscar. I mean, I would love to see it. But mine is going to be different than my usual predictions, as since it is the last race of the season, I can't believe I'm actually saying that, I'm going to do constructors at this point. So, of course, we will see a Max Verstappen first place. Second, I think we'll see a Ferrari, either Carlos or Charles. I'm okay with either. And third, we might see a Mercedes. Lewis, George, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. Mercedes is currently ranked second in the constructors, and Ferrari is ranked third with only a four-point difference. This could come down to the last lap to see which team and or driver takes it. One of these teams are going to hope that one of them DNFs or gets out of the points. We shall see. Lewis has basically already secured secured third in the driver's standings. So go Lewis. And Carlos and Fernando, according to the F1 website, are tied for 200 points each. So, hmm, who will take fourth and fifth? But we cannot forget about Lando Norris, who is currently ranked six with only five points behind. So I'm really intrigued what Abu Dhabi will bring and who will actually end up on top. Now, before we close it out for the night, our moments of the weekend, we got to hit them. Charles's overtake for second, absolutely top tier. And of course, Max singing along to Viva Las Vegas when Christian was playing it over the radio. I don't think I'm ever going to get over that. (laughs) Well, it looks like we finally got a chaotic race, y'all. Although our podium wasn't too interesting, what do you think about this weekend's race at a brand new track? Let us know on our socials. You can find us at Paddock Girls Podcast everywhere, except on Twitter, where you can find us at Paddock Girls Pod. (laughs) 
Thank you for joining us in the paddock today, and we will see you all on Friday, where we are going to chat all about Mr. Ginger Spice, also known as Christian Corner. Bye! Hasta la vista, baby. It's the last time I can say that. Bye. Bye.